You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. the editing bay on the next wave radio network my name is joe mike schultz and it's this death. is where we come to talk about movies sometimes they're good movies sometimes bad movies or sometimes we kind of do away with the entire formula and oh. uh and decided to do something a little different uh kind of like what we did for chadwick boseman yeah. uh what about a month two months ago now yeah. at this point August. Yeah. uh Rich where we, we we decided to go watch movies uh of Chadwick Boseman's that we hadn't seen before and then come back and kind of talk about it with each other. And, uh, and today we are paying tribute to a legendary yes. actor, somebody that mm-hmm. I, I know is, has been influential to both Joel and I, um, maybe not test quite so much. That's more of a generational thing, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to tell you, I think we fixed that a little bit. Oh man, um, yeah. a lot of respect for him now, but, uh, but talking about the, uh, the legacy of, uh, of Sean Connery, Sir, Sir Thomas, Sean Connery, mm-hmm. Rest in uh, power. born August 25th, 1930, died October 31st, 2020, in his sleep in the Bahamas. Wow. That's, that's how I want to go out. Yeah, right? Wow. Maybe not on Halloween, Halloween, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not on Halloween. Yeah. The trick the or <laughs> it was the ultimate trick. trick. Uh, <laughs> and, and almost true to form, Sean Connery dies, and then right after that, Alex Trebek goes. And and then all the memes hit of Alex Trebek going to the pearly gates, and it's like, ha-ha, beat you, Trebek. Suck it. (laughs) Suck it, Trebek. (laughs) Um, Too perfect. So I I had proposed that uh, that we we do the same thing we did with Chadwick Boseman, and and we go and kind of go back through his career and try to find some movies of his that we hadn't seen before. Uh, and and bring those back to the table. And um, I don't know how many movies you watched, Joel. <laughs> uh, I, I watched one. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes, that was to the homework stuff, assignment, right? Joel, Joel is never an overachiever. He does mm-hmm. what is required and nothing more. Uh, I and that's, I respect that too, Joel. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, your time is important to you. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's not that like I didn't have time to watch a bunch of movies. I just watched a bunch of shitty Christmas movies because, like, well, I'm full on into. I know it's only like mid-November, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get as much enjoyment out of 2020 as I can. And we're starting yeah. Christmas early. We already have the lights up on the house. The tree oh, wow. is going up this weekend, and uh, wow. yeah, we're we're uh, I'm, I'm milking Christmas this year. Man, are you? So I know you know pandemic. We're in the middle of the second wave now. Um, <laughs> the next wave, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it's COVID right here on the Next Wave Radio Network. <laughs> it's fucking co- <laughs> Oh, no. Um, no, so are you, I don't imagine you are, but are you going to be going to see the family in, like, in no. Beeville? No, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, with, uh, you know, as, as Fauci has recommended, uh, staying away from, from family, which uh, is kind of nice. Uh, I have a good excuse to say no this year. 
Well, I mean, like, you know, it's a long travel, and it's like, or what do you do? You host them, and then uh, you got family in your house for, like, five days, and it's like, listen, I love you guys, but, you know, we did a big Christmas thing last year. We hosted Christmas. Yeah, the whole yeah. family was here, and uh, it was exhausting. So, honestly, <laughs> kind of looking forward to a low-key Thanksgiving. Uh, just going to do a little uh, meal here with the missus and uh, uh-huh. do, some, do some Christmasing. It all comes um, down to uh, how much you trust your uh, extended family, and that's an uncomfortable conversation to have. Be like, yeah. uh, you just told me you, you went to the Red Lobster the other night, yeah. so uh, I'm going to need you to quarantine for two weeks before <laughs> I see that's you. that's not for COVID. This is because they went to Red Lobster. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be associated with anybody, who, although their cheddar biscuits are delicious. That's oh disgusting. yeah! Oh yeah! It's the same thing that people say when they go to like Olive Garden, and, and they're the like, bread. "Yeah, the breadsticks, <laughs> the breadsticks, <laughs> the breadsticks." Though, man, hey man, uh, don't yeah. knock it till you try it. I have. Yeah, no, Tess knows what it. I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, man, the breadsticks are delicious, <laughs> and the cheddar biscuits. Come on, Dude, Joe. No, 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 no. You can't use Tess as an example of good what? taste. He bought what? Toy Story two for the Nintendo sixty four over Smash one time. Out. Okay, <laughs> one time. All right, years ago, okay, Joe, let it go. You sound like my brothers. You can't let you can't let Kmart over here tell you what. Ah, ah. Hey, man, Kmart was a respectable establishment for several years in Texas. Okay, until we learned our. <laughs> I can't believe you. You know what the K stands for in Kmart, right? Uh oh, no, uh, no, I don't either. I was I hoping was that like, you'd be able to tell me. I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, has it been something bad this whole time? <laughs> Clan Mart. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Well, speaking of that, uh, that's a good segue into a Sean Connery talk because here's a guy who maybe has some old fashioned uh, views on, uh, you know, women and uh, how you can treat them. Uh, you know, the, the, he's, he's a great actor. He made a, a huge impact on. Um, uh, yeah, film, the film industry, obviously known as uh, James Bond initially, probably his, maybe his biggest calling card, uh, but then has, has helmed several uh, blockbusters and um, all the way up into his death, or at least his retirement 20 or so years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, let's let's not pretend he's a saint. Like he's no, I mean, some old-fashioned but, but no, views. But nobody is. But uh, True. But yeah, he did an interview with Barbara Walters because... Yes. When I when he passed away, people were like, "Oh my gosh, Sean Connery! Oh no, oh no!" We were and then too. obviously you get people that come out of the woodwork that are like, "Yeah, but you know, he he was totally for hurting women. Like he was all about hating women." Well, sometimes uh, had, Joe, you know, you, you know how women no are; they won't women. stop talking. You just have to backhand them every now and then, dude. No, okay. So my favorite is, <clears throat> well, if you have tried everything else, this and women are pretty good at this, that they can't leave it alone. They don't. <laughs> They want to have the last word. And you give them the last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again and get really, really provocative. Then I think it's absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to hand it to him. Uh, He was uh, steady and uh, unapologetic for his uh, stance. And she flat out asked him, she was like, do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. I watched the video. I don't know if you guys watched the video of that. but I did. He Yep. He was so like, like almost like his demeanor was like, "You're cr- why are you asking me about yeah, this?" A, of course, it's a stupid question. Of, thing. of course, it's okay. <laughs> you keep asking that question, Barbara. You got to have a backhand coming your way. <laughs> you, you want a fresh one? <laughs> uh, 
which isn't funny. That's not funny. No, do not uh, uh, beat women. So uh, I, I also, since we're kind of uh, dragging some stuff up from the internet sure. and talking about like his uh, his sort of past, um, he also had a wonderful past uh, with a, a fellow actor named Christopher Lambert uh, that he made uh, he made Highlander with, and Christopher uh. Lambert did a tribute to Sean Connery on uh, Instagram. Oh, did he? And I would like to go ahead and read it as Christopher Lambert. Oh, no. Let's hear it. Here we go. Uh, I knew this episode would be uh, ripe for impersonations. <clears throat> a legend is gone. Thank God he is immortal. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> is that really what he said? Yes. Uh, my friend, from the bottom of my heart, I loved your humanity, your simplicity, your talent. Oh, my, oh my God. Basically, what you were. <laughs> <laughs> Love and heart emoji. <laughs> love. Love you so long. Love you. Mm-mm. Love heart you. So long, my friend from up there, Christopher. <laughs> you know, Chris- so long, my friend from up there. Like, it, it, it really opens your eyes when you watch him perform in movies and you're like, man, that delivery is a, a little weird. And then you yeah. read stuff like this and you're like, mm, yeah. English still isn't yeah. a, a, a first language thing for you. He's like, a Frenchman first. Problems. Exactly. Well, yeah. Lost in translation. But uh, but it was it's a beautiful tribute, and he ended up using an image of him and Sean Connery that has like a whole lot of watermarks on it. <laughs> so he <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you don't have a picture of you and Sean Connery. Yeah. You don't have a scan or something. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, Christopher Lambert does basically owe his career to Sean Connery because Sean Connery like lent an air of credibility to that film which yeah. would have otherwise been kind of a weird sci-fi fantasy kind of a European feeling film yeah. well yeah it's I mean directed by Russell Mulcahy mm-hmm. who's you know if <laughs> he's he's gonna be weird if he isn't anything else he's yeah. definitely gonna be kind of a little weird a little out there uh some European sensibilities to it but no just kind of getting back to so you watched one movie uh, I watched, and I didn't just watch movies I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It was the problem was I went and I watched a film that I hadn't seen, and ended up kind of going down the Sean Connery rabbit hole. Where mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, well, this makes me want to watch this, and this makes me want to watch this." Or, "Oh, I haven't seen this movie either. I think I'm going to check this one out." I ended up all in all watching 13 movies. Oh my prepare. god! Yes, oh. um, I, I barely I, beat me. In, I, in, I watched ten. In chronological order, here we go. I watched Doctor No from 1962. Oh, yeah. Doctor No, uh, the first the first Sean Connery James Bond film. Uh, I watched 1964's Marnie, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, uh, I watched 1974's Murder on the Orient Express. Oh yeah. Uh, 1975's The Man That Who Would Be King. Oh. Uh, 1977's A Bridge Too Far. Mm-hmm. 1986's Highlander. Yep. Listen to our Highlander episode. 1987's Untouchables. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Of course, I watched 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I watched 1989's Family Business. Wait, now. uh, What? Hoffman. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. And Matthew Broderick. It's a good one. Uh, Yeah. Directed by Sidney Lumet, who I found out while doing this that, like, Sidney Lumet was basically the Martin Scorsese to Sean Connery's Leo DiCaprio. Like they did oh, like yeah? four or five movies together. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Um, I watched 1990's The Hunt for Red October. Oh. Uh, 1991's Highlander 2 The Quickening. Oh, no. <laughs> that bullshit. 1993's <laughs> Rising Sun 
and 1996's The Rock. Oh, rock. listen to our Rock episode as well. Yeah. Welcome to The Rock. Now, and I, now- was about, I was about halfway through uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen before we started this call. Oh, yes, because I asked about that because I realized I was looking at his, uh, his filmography as well. And I was curious, mm-hmm. what is the last film he did? Because I remember... They made a big deal when he was retiring. You know, he's not sick. He's, not, he's just going away. He's done, uh, and he went out with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Unfortunately, was that it? I thought the last yeah. film he did was Finding Forrester. No, Finding Forrester came out in two thousand. Uh, League of mm. Extraordinary Gentlemen was two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Oh yes. Yep. Two thousand three. Uh, here's the thing: like looking back on Sean Connery's movies, his his his, his hit to miss ratio. <laughs> It's not. It's not filled with fantastic films, uh, and and he wasn't the actor with the most range. Like usually, you knew what you were getting with a Sean Connery movie. He played a certain kind of character, uh, especially early in his career. He didn't really diverge from much, except for like Hitchcock's Marnie, where he kind of played a little bit of a sly sort of victimy, but hmm. also kind of turning things around on uh, the title character. Uh, but he kind of always played like a very stout and like, you know, strong uh, and and like a very present hero hmm, in, yeah. in a lot of his movies, you know. Uh, uh, and it wasn't until, gosh, I would probably say it started with Highlander, where the role that Connery played, like his his role in films started to shift. And he went from being the hero mm-hmm. to kind of being the Obi-Wan Kenobi character. That's right. That's a good analogy. A, he became the wise man that was imparting his knowledge to the hero. It's like Joseph Campbell's journey of the hero. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was the wise man and it started with Highlander. And then you see it, you see it kind of almost immediately take hold with the untouchables as you know, he kind of plays the mentor to Elliot Ness, Indiana Jones and the last crusade, family business, Uh, you know, not really the Avengers October, but, Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Listen oh, to our uh, the Avengers episode, and we're not talking about Marvel's The Avengers. This was oh, the uh, the remake of the old like '60s TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. With um, oh, I can't remember. She passed away too this past year. The woman who played Emma Peel, and I can't remember her name. Oh yeah, uh, she was also in Game of Thrones. That's right. Um, uh, and she, Uma Thurman is in it as well, right? Ray yeah. Fiennes isn't he in it as well? Mm-hmm, and sure I believe is. it was the third episode of the editing bay that we did. So if you can find the oh, Avengers, wow. uh, listen to it and hear what we thought of that film. You listen to it. Don't watch the movie. No, don't. Do not. Don't ever watch that film. In fact, it's so funny because the Avengers, like, that was never even an option for me. Like, I didn't even think to give that to Tess. I was like, no. No. Nobody needs to explore that film ever again. I am curious, Um, though, Joe, of the list of movies you just rattled off. Which one was the new one? The new one? The one that was new Uh, to you. There were two of them, Ah. actually. (laughs) I ended up up watching two that I hadn't seen before. Uh, The first one was A Bridge Too Far. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that. Actually, three. There were three I hadn't seen. Um, A Bridge Too Far, which was uh, a Richard Attenborough film. Yes, Jurassic Park's Richard Attenborough, uh, who who plays uh, John. Is it John Hammond? Yeah, John Hammond. Mm -hmm. He he directs this movie. Did you ever see the movie The Thin Red Line? I have seen that, yes. Yeah, you know how that movie... It's got so many big name actors and they're all kind of disconnected. Like they're all part of the story, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of doing their own thing. And it's almost like the filmmakers kind of had them for a few days. So threw them in here. And then we kind of do, we mostly follow Jim Caviezel, but we kind of see all these other big name actors. That's almost kind of how this works because 
uh, what struck me originally with this movie was the cast. You had Gene Hackman, Ryan O'Neill, Michael Caine, Elliot Gould, James Caan, Lawrence Olivier, uh, Maximilian Schell, Anthony Hopkins, and Robert Redford, as well as Sean Connery in this movie. Wow. And I was like, whoa. Uh, how have I never seen this movie? I need to watch this. Look, this cast is outstanding. And the thing is, like, yeah, but half of them don't interact with each other. The stories, I mean, it's it's this almost three-hour-long movie. Ugh. And <laughs> you just lost oh, Tess right there. <laughs> so, like, you have this thing. It's all about like the the Operation Market Garden and how they were doing a coordinated ground and air strike at the same time. And they filmed and used footage. Of every single plane taking off. Oh no! All the footage of every single trooper jumping out of every single plane, oh, and it was like, "Look, man, you do not have to yell to the back of the room. Like, you could just we could fill in the gaps a little bit. Like, let's keep this 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 story yeah. moving. A film too and long. Like, well, it should have been yeah. called. And it's that's the uh, that's the joke everybody has been saying. Oh, really? I'm like, I'm not original oh, at all. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> here's here's the, re- the like the real kicker is like I'm sitting here watching this film and it's the two hour mark of the movie when you finally see Robert Redford. Oh, really? <laughs> like Ryan O'Neill comes walking out into the woods and he's like, you know, private or whatever. He's yelling his name. And suddenly we cut to this like hero shot of Robert Redford drinking coffee against a tree. And like they start talking to each other, like referencing things like like we've been with them the entire film. And we have not <laughs> like we we are just now seeing Robert Redford. He's in the movie for 10 minutes, taking a bridge with his troops. And then you never see him again. <laughs> wow. And it, it just it felt it felt like such a time investment for such a small, like I didn't feel anything about like what I know I bag on, on Titanic a lot, Mm -hmm. but at least Titanic gave you a story that these events took place around. Like this, this event happened, but what we're doing is giving you a compelling story about two characters that kind of like is going to intertwine with what's happened historically. Titanic's great. Listen to our Titanic episode. They needed to do that with this movie. Like, give us an A plot, like something we can follow that we can kind of use all this other stuff as a backdrop for. Mm. And instead, it was like it was the equivalent of reading a textbook. Like, oh, wow. that's what the movie was. So, uh, not uh, recommending the, that one, then I guess. Huh? I, I I couldn't I couldn't recommend it. It's right. too much of a too much of a time investment for very little payoff. Uh, 1974's Murder on the Orient Express. Well, oh, 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 before you move on, I need to ask: How was Sean Connery in that film? Sean Connery yeah. was so. Sean Connery he gives a fine performance. But much like all of the fine performances in the film, mm-hmm. they're soon forgotten under like the crushing weight yeah. of the film's mind-numbingly slow pace. <laughs> like <laughs> you just you forget like everything, it, 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 even it, all the good. Lawrence Olivier is in this movie. Yeah, I see that. And you forget he's there, and like one of the final shots is him walking down a street, and you sit there and go, "Oh yeah, he's in this movie." <laughs> you should never think that about these people. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I couldn't recommend it. It's it's forgettable. Um, uh, 1974's Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Uh, this one was it was good. It also has a star-studded cast. Um, and the thing is, unlike A Bridge Too Far, like everybody does a really great job of being part of an ensemble because 
if you've ever seen any version of Murder on the Orient Express, if the ensemble doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. Right. The story doesn't work. And this is great. Like this movie had Anthony Perkins in it. Uh, Lauren Bacall is in this movie. Uh, Michael York, uh, Jacqueline Bissett. And uh, it's, it, I think Albert Finney yeah. plays the detective Poirot. Oh, no way. That's amazing. And, and it's great. But I, so it's not my favorite Albert Finney role, even though he is just chewing up scenery throughout this entire movie. And I guess that's the one downfall about picking this movie is that it's not really a great example of Sean Connery's work because he does what he's supposed to do. He's playing a part, but he doesn't elevate it. Like he doesn't try to go above what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. He is a fine piece of the tapestry that's going on. It's Albert Finney. That's just like all over the place. And in a good way, he's all over the place. That being said, um, I preferred the Kenneth Branagh remake over this. That one is great, man. We caught that. Yeah. Was it 2017, a few years ago? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a cast of uh, well-knowns just like that one. Um, yeah. and it's just well-told, well-directed, looks beautiful, suspenseful, even though you kind of know the, the beats and what's going to happen. Um, yeah. I, I was, I was uh, intrigued the entire time, all the way up yeah. to the end. It's, it's so well done. It makes me, I'm so excited about Death on the Nile. Me too, uh, if that ever comes I, out. It, it, I mean, wow. it will. Coming soon to some streaming uh, service, I'm sure, on December probably. 25th. Dude, I think we need to get used to the fact that movie theaters are probably a thing of the past. I'm f- Well, yeah. not, not the past. We're going to have a uh, vaccine here. Another year or so, things will be getting back to normal. But movie theaters are the one thing, or they're all of the things that you're not supposed to do right now, right? They say, don't yeah. be yeah. indoors with a bunch of other people for a prolonged amount of time. That's mm-hmm. the definition of what a movie theater is. Breathing yeah. the same air, and then you add drinks and food on top of that, and uh, yeah, that's a big no-no for now. So um, mm. uh, I'm, I'm I'm fine with the video on demand uh, approach for the time being. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So really quick, uh, the, the the last the last new one that I watched was 1989's Family Business mm-hmm. with Matthew Broderick, Dustin oh. Hoffman, and obviously Sean Connery. Uh, yeah. They play. Um, I mean, this it was it wasn't a it's not a bad crime <laughs> dramedy. Uh, it's anchored very capably by this trio. Um, the chemistry and the dynamic between the three actors is just, it's undeniable mm-hmm. and it elevates what is, what would be otherwise a pretty average kind of caper film. Uh, mm-hmm. Connery is great oh, yeah. as this grifter. Yeah. Uh, he agrees to help his grandson pull off this lab robbery, but as good as, as Connery is, and Connery is very good in this movie, mm-hmm. as good as he is, Dustin Hoffman yeah. steals the show. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's it's slow and it's thoughtful, but it isn't sluggish like a bridge too far. Like mm. it, it it paces itself really well, uh, and and it crescendos as a movie should. Uh, it's it's really good. I recommend that um, highly, highly. Yeah. I, I think of the of the new ones that I watched. Uh, or the ones that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Family business is probably my favorite of the three. Oh. Yeah, what about you, Ted? It was good. That was, oh, I loved, I loved family business. Oh, you watched but it see, too? Wow. Oh, bro, man. See, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> Joe did thirteen fucking movies. I was, tra- <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to get that man. I was trying to beat him on the number, but I got to ten. So I at least got right. the double, double digits. I at least got the double digits. And that's after. That's after having not seen or being able to remember any Sean Connery movies at yeah, all. All not, of these are new for Tess. <laughs> all I, of them. I do yeah, have a question, Tess, before you get into your list there. Like, what did mm-hmm. you know of Sean Connery before uh, his death? 
all I knew about Sean Connery was Sean Connery. That's about it. You'd never that's seen it. him in any movies. I, I knew I've always just heard the name and, and know that, okay, he's a very highly respected actor, but I, but I could never put my finger on any movies by him that I had actually seen. Wow. I've heard, I've heard about a bunch of these movies before, but I never actually sat down and watched any of them before. All right. So well, that's why this, that's why this was a good little, this was a good little homework uh, assignment for me to do. Yeah. I was most excited for Tess to watch Highlander just because uh, as uh, I shared with Tess, and I think I've shared on the podcast before when I was a, a high schooler, I loved the movie Highlander so much that uh, my family had our, our entertainment center was like it was hooked up to a stereo with like a tape deck that one day I recorded the audio oh, of yeah. Highlander. And then with like I took a Walkman into school and just like all day I would listen to the movie all day long. Like I think I had Highlander and I had Army of Darkness and I would just <laughs> listen to those repeatedly over and over again. And so uh, it was it was exciting for me, uh, and I couldn't wait for for Tess to watch it and uh, and get his impression uh, on on this sword and sorcery flick. <laughs> and Tess, what was your impression? It was that's surprisingly it was good. I did yeah. I did not expect Highlander to be as good as I as I actually found it to be. And one of the first things I told Joe was I was like, yeah, okay, this is a goofy ass movie, but. <laughs> You know what? It's still very great, and the soundtrack is amazing. Soundtrack's awesome by Queen, and a good yeah. score by uh, Michael Kamen, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! It like the entire the entire film. I was just like from the the entire film from the beginning to the end. I was hooked into just off of the sounds, and that made me watch the movie and be and actually get into the story. Yeah. And that's the thing. I saw Highlander one and Highlander two. Oh shit. Yeah, the first one's way better than the second yes. one. Yes. Way fucking better. Oh, my God, the second one is garbage. <laughs> Have you ever seen the second one, Joel? Uh, no, I, I I remember vividly Save your yourself. description of it uh, and what I know of it. Save yourself. I, yeah, I think I'm going to skip that one. I liked the TV show, uh, and I liked that first movie. And I, I think I'm about Highlandered out. That's all I need yeah. to know. That's all you need, Joel. After I do see the first two. That's I, it. I do that's think uh, they're doing a reboot of that, though. So curious to yeah, see uh, what they do with that. So, Tess, what was wrong with the uh, second one? Nah. Well, bro, there were so many hot potholes in this movie and so many things that didn't make any fucking sense. So, to begin with, okay, the reason why we watch this movie is because, of course, of course, because of Sean Connery. But So, he's in this movie, but he dies in the first one. Gets his head chopped off. Yep. Because So, a little backstory for people who don't understand about Highlander. It's about... It's about a bunch of different um, individuals who are called immortals. Mm-hmm. So it basically means that they can't die unless you chop off their heads. And they've been li- they've been living for centuries. Yeah. So it's just good so, science. Um, so McCloud, who's played by um, Lambert, mm-hmm. that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, in this movie. charismatic. Yeah. Oh my god, this, this fucking guy. <laughs> this guy. He had he had about the same. Just he was monotone and had the same. Just. <laughs> energy in the first and second movie but it was kind of like a roller coaster because y- you know he would know that there were scenes where it's like oh i'm supposed to be excited and happy now yeah. so <laughs> let me smile and show you that emotion right now but then he go right back to just being very bland and it's like wait this is our leading man yeah. this, is our, this is our star of this I mean, tess he gets to fuck on some trash in the second <laughs> oh my oh my god that was so, that was so ridiculous 
<laughs> I was like, wait, so this is happening? This is really happening. So, so oh. Joel, just to give you give you like a quick background on Let's this movie. It. So the film tries to explain the science of the immortals that like oh. they're actually a race of aliens and Connery and and Lambert were part of like the rebellion or something. And, uh, and they ended up getting captured by Michael Ironside, who is the villain. Oh, of course. And they were banished. They were banished to earth. And in their banishment, the terms were set that you would be immortal, just like the other convicts that have been sent to Earth. You, you know, you you be immortal until you fight each other, and then mm-hmm. after you fight each other, you They're could have the ability to come back. Like they tried to give this thing rules, huh. which somebody, I guess, somebody was like, "I love Highlander, but it was way too confusing. Why were they doing this?" And it's like nobody cared. Yeah, it was. Nobody. It was fine the way that it was. So they tried to introduce them as an alien race, and so. <sighs> This film takes place like 60 years after Highlander where yeah. McCloud is an old man and he's created some shield that protects the planet from UV rays or something. What? And yes. oh god, yeah dude. Yes. No, there's yes. this whole like environmentalist thing that's going on oh, with this no. movie. Bro. And so Michael Ironside isn't satisfied that like McCloud isn't dead yet, I guess. And so he sends some guys to Earth to take him out. And he oh. ends up, Lambert ends up killing them. McLeod kills them and kills gets the quick and becomes young again. Yes. <laughs> How did he get old to begin with? I thought they were immortal. Because it was because 2024. He, won the, he yeah. won the prize at the end of the first movie. He won yeah. the right to grow old. To die? Yeah. Well, okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. And so when these guys returned, it started things over again. Uh, and he ends up screwing Virginia Madsen in a dirty alley <laughs> after he gets his youth back. Like, Every girl's was, dream. They set up this thing at the beginning where Connery's like, we're connected now. If you ever need me, nothing will keep me from you, not even death. Like if you need me, just call my name. And so Lambert, in the middle of getting the quickening, like screams Ramirez's name. And Ramirez, <laughs> he, he comes back. He's resurrected. Out of nowhere. Only to like 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, sacrifice himself again. Oh, no. So, oh, so McLeod and Virginia Madsen can make their way to Michael Ironside. I do oh, seem God. to recall that uh, Sean Connery only had like maybe a week's worth of filming time in that Bro. first movie. Uh, yeah. so, so I can't imagine he was there for much longer for the filming of the second movie. Bro, he they, was in the first movie for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. he, all, he all such he, an impact. Yeah, and no, he, don't get me wrong. He was an amazing character. It was great. When he got there, he showed him how to fight and how to basically be immortal. And then he got his fucking head chopped off <laughs> in the in the first movie, and he died. So when Joe told me in the second one, he came back. He's like, "Yeah, you got to watch the second one too." I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Sean Connery's in." I was like, "What are you talking about? He died. <laughs> he died in the first one." But did he? I was like, yes, he got his head yes. chopped off. What are you talking about? That's literally how they fucking die. What do you mean he's in the Also, I like how he and Christopher Lambert are like old friends when I very distinctly remember them meeting for the first time in the yeah. first Highlander yeah. film. Yeah. No, they, they try to explain it away. Dude, they spend like, there's probably a 30-minute span Bro. where they try to explain away like the science and they try to explain why they didn't recognize each other. And like, it, it's so... It's so bad. And and the thing is, I let Tess watch the Renegade version, which is the director's cut mm. that people oh, say. No, no, no. That people oh. say it's better than the theatrical oh, That's as version. good as it gets, Tess. Oh, wow. Really? really bad. It's still really bad. Yeah, that movie's awful, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, 
It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, I will not change my plans to not see Highlander two then. Well, um, so what's yes, I'm, I'm not expecting you to go through your entire list. Um, well, you name but, a bunch of them. Well, I mean, well, no, no, no. I mean, I, I just went into like the three that I watched. Uh, like I went into detail on those. That's what I'm saying. Like you can go through the list of what you watched, but I, I kind of want you to stick with like what really stood out to you yeah. of the oh, ones yeah. that. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, to I guess go in, I mean, somewhat chronological order of the movies that I of that I watched. The oldest one would be Doctor No, the first Bond movie. Oh. That was that was great to see because I mean, from what everybody's told me, that's what really. I don't want to say. I, I guess it it started his career. Or that was the that was the first was big just, thing he it did. Was his first like big role yeah. that like it put him on the map basically with people. Hey, while we're okay. talking about the James Bond movies, since he's he's known for, uh, I've only seen Goldfinger. Uh, oh, and so I, I wanted wow. to watch a new and and Jen and I probably will uh, to to honor the late Sir Sean Connery. Watch another of his James Bond movies, but I'm curious as to what you think the best. Sean Connery James Bond movie is because I'm seeing uh, from Russia with Love. I also see uh, Goldfinger up on that list, and uh, the Russia aforementioned Doctor No. What's up from Russia with Love? That's, that's your favorite, huh? One. That's his best one. That's what I hear. That's a, I heard the best one was Goldfinger, or it's pretty really? crazy. It seems yeah. to be those two neck and neck, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Goldfinger is yeah. not bad. Goldfinger was like kind of the first commercial, commercial, I guess, commercially successful. Um, but I think from Russia with Love was the best. Like it was just the most solid. It was a very solid story. Where like Doctor No is a good starting point. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no. It for me for See, me it's from Russia with Love. All right. And that's well, that's the second one. So yeah. So it's Doctor No from Russia from Russia with Love, and then Goldfinger. See, mm-hmm. well, see, yeah, Doctor No was really good. It made me want to go, and it made me look up all of the other Bond movies. Mm. And now I want to go and see the Sean, like the Sean Connery movie, because he did the first six, and then he quit, and then they had someone do another one, I think. And yeah, then it he was did the one after that. The director. Okay, so he did his, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's when George Lazenby came in and did On Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. oh, and okay. then Connery came back and I think did one more. Yeah. And yeah, that then, was the love from something with something with other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and so then after that, they had ro- they brought Roger Moore in, then Timothy Dalton, and then you know we we know the story. Pierce Brosnan, uh, but and there, there, there is yeah. an unofficial Bond movie called Never Say Never Again with uh, Sean oh. Connery and Kim Basinger, and it's basically a remake of Thunderball. Uh, oh. But uh, but yeah, it's it basically an aging James Bond. And it's funny because they get around some of the stuff. It's like when the ownership of James Bond kind of switched. It, it wasn't a, an Albert Procoli film, uh, but somebody who still had a stake in James Bond was. It was they were able to make the movie because of that. Uh, hmm. But yeah, it was. It's so funny the the James Bond journey. Uh, I love <laughs> I love Doctor No because they clearly put in place like all these tropes that become classic James Bond. Right. Like you get used to, the more you watch the James Bond movies, especially the Connery ones, you get so used to him walking into the office with money, Penny and throwing his hat on the hat rack. uh, And then like the scene with M and what's fun is that in Dr. No, you do have an, a scene with M except there are no gadgets in Dr. No, the whole M Mm. scene in Dr. No is him getting his Walter PPK. It's just like this is your gun. It's oh. a Walter. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so he's so charismatic and dashing in this movie that oh, yeah. It, yeah, 
it, it's no wonder he carries that swagger with him the rest of his career. He's just a natural. Um, oh, but, oh, yeah. But I think, Tess, you should definitely follow that. Go watch, watch more of his Bond films. Oh, yeah. that It it definitely started me off. Well, I, I can understand why this became such a big series and why there's 24 movies and why Jeez. it's a cult following of people behind it Yeah, after seeing this first one. But... I mean, after that, um, the next one on the list, I guess there were there was the nineteen, yeah, uh, Untouchables. That was the one that you guys had. Oh, well, yeah. no, Highlander was first before that, but we already talked about Highlander. But then Untouchables was next. That was the one that you guys had recommended for me to watch. Oh yeah, and I definitely see why you did that. That was a great movie. Uh, that that is great. Amazing. That's at the top of his uh, IMDb list. I think that's what he's most known for. And uh, when that kind of cemented his legacy. Uh, in Hollywood, mm, that makes that makes a lot of, and a star-studded cast in it. Oh yeah, and a, a great story from start to finish, and and his oh yeah the the one-liners that he had well not one-liners but the lines that he has throughout this movie that you know the quotables classic quotes in this movie yeah. he, he brings a knife you bring a gun <laughs> just like a wop to bring a knife <laughs> to a gun <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so mad at him for not shooting that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And walking out there and then dying, and that's yeah. what I, and that's what I told you too, Joe. Because that was the second, that was like the second or third movie I had seen at that mm-hmm. at that point. I was like, "Does he die in every, <laughs> in every movie? movie? <laughs> what the hell? Most Does of the he good die ones. In everyone. Well, oh, you know, it's he, and and it's the movie that he won the Oscar. He won the Oscar yes, for best, uh, that's best right. supporting actor on that one. I saw that. I actually watched the YouTube video of him getting that uh, afterwards. Yeah, I, yeah, I've seen a lot of Connery. Within the last week, <laughs> it's, it's well deserved. That one was well deserved on that movie. Does he die in the rock? Oh, no. I can't remember. No, nope. I didn't no, no. So. He lives. Yeah, the Untouchables, and then Family Business. Yeah, oh, that was really good, Joe. You, you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. That was a real. I wasn't expecting that either. But Dustin Hoffman was good in that, mm-hmm. and so was um, and so was um, uh, so was Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yeah, Bueller, man, he was he was good in that as well, mm-hmm. and um. At, see, so it's funny because you watched 13 movies, so you saw all of his like 60s and 70s movies as well. And I was go, I was going to get to those, but I definitely started in his later movies when he was already well into his role as being the older gentleman who was helping out with everything. Extraordinary so gentleman. I never. So the only movie that I actually saw him be the hero hero in was the actual uh, Doctor No. Was the first Bond movie. Mm. Every mm. other movie he was basically helping out. And and, uh, and dying, yeah. Oh, either dying. <laughs> oh my God, he died in, in like half these. It feels like yeah. so, so. Something that that you you had to do to take on this whole endeavor. We also had you watch the Indiana Jones films, oh. so you can watch yes. the third Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I watched three out of four. So the only one I haven't watched is the fourth one. No, that's fine. You can stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I felt you guys were going to say. Yeah, that. doesn't have Sean Connery. It do, oh yeah, it does. It so. But is um is Harrison Ford in it though? He's yeah, Harrison Ford. Uh, Ford technically, it. yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the shambling corpse of Harrison Ford. <laughs> yes, oh yes. my god, he's oh, physically wow. there, maybe not mentally on set. <laughs> and I see, and I'm I'm honestly glad that I watched these Indiana Jones films because I mean I it's another. Uh, t- it's another film series that I had heard a lot about growing up, yeah. but I had never actually seen any of the movies. To where I didn't even remember that Indiana Jones 
was Harrison Ford. Really? With, with Han Solo until literally watch until I, I queued up the first one and I saw him. I was like, oh shit, Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Han fucking Solo. That's great. Is Indiana Jones. I love yeah. I, I love Tess as an addition on this podcast, Joe, because you and I just kind of you know a couple of schlubs in our forties take for yeah. granted uh, uh-huh. all of these you know what are quote unquote classics to us. Oh, everybody knows Indiana Jones, right? Everybody sure. knows Untouchables. And then Tess is like, I don't even I don't even know these actors or these movies you're referring to. I had um, no idea. No, it, it blew me away when I was like, Well, you've seen Indiana Jones, right? He's like, No, no. Well, but- what are you talking about? No. How are you? How are you even? What? How? How do you exist? It's like finding a unicorn. Like this is this can't be real. None of them. Never. Not even so a minute. What did, what did you think? Yeah. What? Give me a quick impression of Indiana Jones. But then, what did you think of that third one? Oh, oh man, they were. You're right. You guys are completely right. As that being the best one. So it would. It definitely does go three, one, two. And then I'm guessing four definitely is the worst one. Yes. I don't I haven't even seen it, but it sounds like it's awful. Actually, I do three, one, two, then like two of the Brennan Fraser mummy movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the mummies. And then maybe four after that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the second one was good too, but I I can see a little bit why it's not there's just so much going on in the second one that you're just kind of like, what the that second one is uh, screaming from Kate Capshaw. Yeah, that second one uh, is is I believe responsible for the addition of the PG thirteen rating in movies because it was rated PG. But uh, so I, I saw it well before I was thirteen and uh, was just traumatized by the uh, the amount of pain and violence. Probably give a warning that somebody's ripping hearts out of people's chest. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh there's some uh, there's some hardcore imagery. Uh, that for something that was just supposed to be like a swashbuckling adventure, like shit gets real in that second movie. Oh shit, got really real in there. Mm-hmm. And oh, shout shout out to Data, my boy from uh, the Goonies. Being in that oh, <laughs> I, I thought you meant like Brent Spiner. I was like, really? Was he in that movie somewhere <laughs> from Star Trek? Yes, that no, Data. Data. I, I think the Temple of Doom gets a bad rap from people. I think it's a great adventure movie. Yeah. I know we've talked about it in the past that I think it is the truest. Uh, example of an homage to like the kind of movies that George Lucas wanted to make, the serialized adventure film. Yeah. I think that it embodies it more than any of the other ones. But I I mean, I still think the third one's the best. But oh, oh, that one. third one uh, not only is is my favorite uh, Indiana Jones film, but uh, it's my favorite Sean Connery film because I think he, he gets to do a little bit of everything. He's he's uh, likable, but he's also kind of a hard ass. But he gets to yeah, do yeah. some action, some adventure. But he's also uh, funny. Like he's this is maybe yeah. one of his funniest roles, and just so yeah, yeah. endearing and and. Um, just like we all wanted a father like him, it's in no small part due to the chemistry that he had with Harrison Ford. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and and the fact that he turned down the role originally and didn't want to play it because he and Harrison Ford are only like six years apart from each other. Oh, I that's think right. Something wow. super close. Like he didn't think that it was appropriate that he would play Indiana Jones's father. But like Spielberg kept coming back to him. He's like, "You're who I have in mind for this. You're the person that I want this to be." And so Connery was like, "Right." Okay, well, I'm a, I'll, I'll agree to it, but I want it to be kind of understood that like whatever Indiana Jones does, I've done it first, and I've probably done it better. <laughs> and like, 
and I kind of I kind of like that. I like that approach. Uh, and not only is his performance great and his Amazing. interactions with Harrison Ford, but like the improvisation that he threw in too. Like that whole line where he's like, "She talks in her sleep." Oh like yeah. That, yeah. Oh my god, that was oh my god, that was so perfect. And when Indiana realized, like, wait, what? it wasn't supposed to be revealed until later in the script that they had slept together but the fact that he like throws that in there she talked and just like the little sideways glances like when he'll let something slip and then harrison ford will look at him like what and sean connery will be like he'll look and then kind of look away and then look like trying to avoid his gaze (laughs) like a child who's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar it's so great. And like, just talk about memorable moments. Like when the, the it, it, and I know it's cheesy and to it, the effect doesn't stand up today, but when they go through the tunnel and then the plane tries to follow them into the tunnel, oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. Goes past them. but like that whole bit where he like, he gets, he shoes all the birds up into the plane mm-hmm. and then comes wandering back. And he's like, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne, mm-hmm. like just to give him this class and this, you know, he's, he's definitely a more well-read character than than harrison ford's indiana yeah. jones is uh it, there's there's it's not like i always complain about somebody writing a character exactly like the other like no one has an individual voice right and these two had individual voices oh yeah, true definitely different it was oh it was it was an amazing for both of them because and it's definitely the best one because it's the complete it's the most complete one in my opinion with what they were trying to do with the story and also the visuals, because the first one is amazing, but by 89, it's like, yeah, everything you guys are trying to show and do with this, you could kind of do it in this movie and you have the actors to seal the deal with it. I agree. Oh man. Even ends with them uh, riding off into the sunset. What a perfect way to wrap up that trilogy and never speak of that fourth film. Anything again. Oh my God. They never, yeah, I don't, because the fourth one was like years later, so I don't even know why they did that. They just ruined it. By yeah, it, it is too bad that we have a fourth Indiana Jones film, but that Sean Connery is not a part of it. Like, well, I, I mean, oh, he kind of is. They show a picture of him. Oh, oh. come on, that's that bullshit it's, move. Oh. And you know, they do that thing that I hate that movies do, where mm. it's like a picture of one of the characters, but it's clearly like a promo picture <laughs> that was <laughs> they photoshopped their head. On uh, yeah. whatever uh, picture came with a frame that they're using, or, or it's clearly a still from a scene from the movie where no <laughs> one took a camera out to take a picture yeah. of anybody. Uh, yeah. it's, it, but they had approached Connery about being in the fourth one, and he straight up refused. He was oh, like, that's "No, awful. yeah." No, if, if there's a some consistency to to his filmography, it's that maybe he's not the best uh, <laughs> judge of of character when it comes to the scripts that he's chosen throughout his career. But he definitely yeah. dodged a good bullet there. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, well, true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, although that was the one that was supposed to be on the, the Frank Darabont script, right? The, the one that everybody wishes had been made oh, I, and wasn't? No, I, I'm not. I don't know any uh, of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Frank Darabont wrote a script for a fourth Indiana Jones that has since leaked online. And everybody says, oh, this is the one that should have been made. It's fantastic. Uh, but, oh, wow. but because it did not involve aliens, George Lucas would not give his uh, rubber stamp to it. <laughs> No, Seriously, sounds like, sounds I like, always wanted the fourth chapter to be an alien thing. So. <laughs> Tell us about that, George. <laughs> that's funny, but see, that's crazy. The, that year that the uh, that the last uh, Indiana Jones movie came out, so did Family Business. He did both of those. Yeah, oh, there you go. Good year for Sean Connery. 
So another movie that that I watched that stuck out that you kind of t- touched on, Joe, mm-hmm. was The Hunt for Red for Red October. Oh, can't believe we that haven't a, talked about that yet. I can't believe we haven't either. That was a really great movie. That was amazing. It's a, it's a good film. I didn't think that you know I didn't think a movie about submarines and you know them chasing one was going to be so entertaining and captivating. Well, you've never seen Down Periscope. <laughs> I definitely have. I don't even know what you listen just to said. our uh, Down Periscope episode starring Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> what? Yeah, Frazier's Kelsey Grammer. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hunt for Red October. Um, I, 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 I is there a film where Sean Connery has not done his his accent? Like he's a Scotsman, it's pretty <laughs> oh, thick, yeah. and it's hard. I can't think of a film where he where they tr- attempted to make him do another accent besides what he normally sounds like. The funny thing to me is like, okay, so you've got a Russian submarine captain, <laughs> yes, played by a Scotsman. Hey, we can have Connery. Like, if you can have Connery, use Connery. But like, maybe find a different role for him. Yeah. <laughs> Even Sam Neill is throwing out his best Russian accent yeah. in the. Yeah, but but it, it forced them to uh, make the creative choice that they do in that film because there's multiple languages that are, are spoken, but you don't want to have uh, an entire film in subtitles, especially like a John Clancy oh. action adventure like this. So they do that scene at the beginning, and Tess, you know what I'm talking about, where he's speaking Russian. It's like the first scene we see him. The camera zooms in on his lips, and then all of a sudden, now he's speaking English. And we've now translated. Now the audience just knows that okay, we're 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 going to pretend like he's still speaking Russian, but Sean Connery's not up to the task of doing an accent. <laughs> so we got to find a way to yeah make this believable. It's it's, it's funny. funny in Rising Sun, he has to speak Japanese. Like oh yeah, yelled yeah. Japanese at somebody, and oh, the, yeah. like I sat there and I rewound it and watched it again, rewound it, watched it again. I was like, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, look. I don't speak Japanese, but I'm pretty sure you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I pulled out a Google Translator app mm. and, like, and let it listen to him and then translate it for me. Yeah. And yeah, as as I suspected, what he's screaming makes no sense. <laughs> Even uh, Google Translate just like threw its arms up in the air like, I don't know. That's funny. I mean, well, that doesn't surprise me because in in both of those movies during those times, like he plays that brooding character who's just kind of reactionary, and you're looking at his different facial expressions. Mm-hmm. But then he'll just kind of get really amped in a situation, like like you were talking about in, in Raising and Rising Sun, where he'll just yell at somebody, "Yeah, but this and that's happening." So, and <laughs> when he has to do that in another language, it just yes. doesn't come off the way he wants. It's it just to. weird listening. <laughs> not good at accents and also uh as we learned in the rock not very good at singing either i remember the scene where uh, they're making him sing uh going to san francisco Francisco. he's basically just like yes he's just talking the the lyrics when you watch sean connery's performances specifically as you get into the mid 80s to Mm -hmm. the late 90s and stuff it's funny to watch him perform because he is clearly one of those actors that does something clever or does something funny and then immediately is looking at one of the crew members <laughs> to see if they're reacting to it. And you almost see it on camera. Like when he, <laughs> it, like it explains that, like that shit eating grin he gets sometimes mm-hmm. when he'll say something and then kind of like look off into the distance. And I'm like, he's not looking off in the distance. He's looking at a grip. He's looking <laughs> at somebody to see if he made, if he made somebody laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did you see what I said? It was funny. It was funny. Tess, what was your favorite? Hmm. My favorite. 
honestly, they were there were there was so many really good ones. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was very pleased by all of the, all of the ten that I've seen so far. That's why I was a little apprehensive about going to see the the 60s and 70s movies because you know yeah. how I get when we go back yeah. too far. They're not gonna get better. Oh man, man, that 62 Doctor No was already pushing it. Good <laughs> guys. This shit here. Look at the graphics. graphics. (laughs) I think the man who would be king was really good, and that's from '75. Oh really? I don't know that one. Oh, that's him and Michael Caine. They play. They play a couple of uh, ex Navy officers, uh, next ex British Navy officers, uh, who they're they're a couple of con men, and they decide to kind of go on uh, an an adventure, a cross country adventure, to try to like grift. Uh, a Middle Eastern town oh. uh, and train their, their men to become an army and basically go to the next town over and like take them out and enlist all their men to become part of the army as well. Basically until they can go to like this, the, a palace in like the Khyber pass and they claim to be like the new Kings or whatever. And Sean Connery's character gets mistaken as a God. And so he poses as their new King uh and it's a drama it's based on a a rudyard kipling story um but him and michael kane man they they are rocking it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so but i guess if i had to if i had to pick i'd say my favorite would have to probably be between the untouchables Mm -hmm. and family and family business wow i gotta see this family business you guys are lauding it Really it's good, really, man. Really good. Well, unfortunately, I did not watch that. Uh, instead, I did watch Finding Forrester. I'd kind of uh, threatened yeah. to do it last week, uh, if for no <laughs> other reason than that uh, it was near the end of his career, as I mentioned earlier, second to last movie uh, that he filmed, that he appeared on film. Uh, of course, notwithstanding the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, came out in 2000, directed by Gus Van Sant. Uh, oh yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Who uh, directed Goodwill Hunting uh, three years previously, and a curious follow-up for him because it's basically almost <laughs> the exact same film, like Goodwill Hunting and Finding it's, Forrester. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, it never quite got to there. You're the man now, Doug. Uh, is probably its biggest claim to fame, both the website and the uh, clip. Of uh, Sean Connery saying, "Oh, the man now, dog." Uh, yeah, what it's best wow. known for. <clears throat> Although it gets a bad rap because not a bad film. Ultimately, uh, just ponderous as to why Gus Van Sant would want to remake uh, a movie he'd already done before. It's about a uh, kid uh, who grows up in poverty, uh, r- rough side of town. Uh, who also kind of like a, a secret genius, like he's really good. But but in, instead of math, he's a, a, a great author. He's really good at, at literature, reads a lot of books. But he, he oh, hangs wow. around with a group of friends that are kind of rough and tumble, uh, and uh, he doesn't want them to know that he's smart. Uh, he kind of has a, a budding romance with another girl who goes to the same prep school he's at, uh, who's also wow. smart, so he's kind of torn between those worlds, and then befriends uh, an older person, except instead of Robin Williams, a psychiatrist, uh, played by uh, Sean Connery, who is an, an aging author. He's the, the titular forester that uh, our, our lead is trying to find. Uh, not bad. It's got like a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's probably where I'd put it, but it is long. Man, is it long. Um, oh. And if it had not come out after Goodwill Hunting, I think maybe it would have scored a little higher. But because 
we all knew Goodwill Hunting, and it's like the same movie. It's like, well, why wouldn't I just watch that? So, uh, yeah, not my favorite role of his. Uh, not my favorite Gus Van Sant movie. Uh, he's kind of hit or miss too as a director, but uh, a nice way. I, I'm glad I watched it because now I've seen that clip. Uh, I've seen the film, and he gives a great performance. And uh, like all of uh, like half of his other films, he does die at the end of this one as well. Uh, oh, wow. But he dies with some Jesus. dignity. He dies as an older uh, gentleman, kind of quietly passes away, uh, and gives a nice rousing speech performance, a la Dead Poet Society. Uh, yeah. Also, another Robin I Williams. Oh, he, doesn't, he doesn't get his, his head chopped off. Does not get his head chopped off in this ah. one. Uh, dies of cancer, we're told, by Ooh. by Matt Damon at the a end riddle. of this film, who also was in Goodwill Hunting. So it's a weird Damon, oh, wow. No, no. <laughs> no we, we find out through Matt Damon that he has died of cancer. But uh, yeah, uh. a little cameo from Goodwill Hunting himself in this oh. unofficial Goodwill Hunting sequel. So cannot really recommend Finding Forrester, but uh, yeah. a nice yeah. way to for uh, Sean Connery to kind of ease into retirement. So what is, uh, we've talked about what our favorite role is. What is our least favorite role that Sean Connery has played that, that we've seen? Uh, I will talk about uh, First Night, which uh, came out in 1995. Cool. It's a re- retelling of the kind of King Arthur, um, Lancelot, uh, uh, love triangle with Guinevere. Uh, he plays King Arthur, Sean Connery does, and is a good, like, that's who you want playing King Arthur, right? S- statesman, uh, demands uh, respect, uh, and uh, you can you can picture that you know his his better days are behind him, but uh, yeah. he's still a commanding presence. It okay. was weird that whole project, that first night project, was like to watch it to be a fan of Arthurian legend, which I was when I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Excalibur is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I love the sword in the stone. I've probably read TH White's the once in future King like three or four times. Um, I love Arthurian legend, but like one Arthur never lived to be that old, uh, That's right. <laughs> to be Connery's age. There was never that much of an age disparity between Arthur and Guinevere. Uh, like there is between him and Julia Ormond. Uh, also to cast, even at the time, old ass Richard Gere as Lancelot. Yes, I know. Like, <laughs> what is going on? This movie was made by the Zucker brothers who did like the airplane movies. What? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and and like everything seems oh, yeah. very low rent. The the sets, yeah, and the it's the very effect. made for TV. Yeah, it was. It, it this came out what in like ninety eight or something? Ninety five. Ninety five. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a gross looking movie and <laughs> I, I do think it's not my pick of my least favorite role of Connery's but I do think it's like a very low point for him yeah it was low well you know how I always say that everything great came out in 1992 mm-hmm. well not in this case <laughs> with 1992's The Medicine Man that, oh, is no. my, that is my least favorite uh, role that he did yeah oh, Oh my god, that movie was awful. I mean, and you would think that a movie about a guy finding the cure for cancer that you know, <laughs> oh man, this might be a little compelling. And it also had Lorraine Bracco, who I mean, Joe's going to give me a little shit about this. She was a babe at the time. Yeah, <laughs> at the time. I yeah. mean, now we're not going to talk about that. That's a whole different story. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> 
but in this movie, he's out in the jungle and he's apparently found the cure for cancer. But this guy, he can't fucking remember where where it is. Where he where he put it's like he's i guess he's not really a senile old man but how he does a lot of shit in this movie makes you think he's a senile old fucking man yeah <laughs> but he's rocking that awesome gray ponytail though yes um, he is <laughs> he he is rocking and that's funny that's funny as well too so like you know how he dies in almost every movie mm-hmm. he has like a ponytail in like every other movie <laughs> is what it seems yeah like. that's right highlander, highlander. 2 this one Oh yeah, Highlander and Highlander too. Yeah. And then this one. And then also for a little bit in The Rock as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He, he had the ponytail and long hair. That's mm. why. That's why. <laughs> but yeah, the medicine man. Awful. Joe, what about you? Uh wasn't a big fan uh of his character in Rising Sun, but I didn't <laughs> think that the movie suffered. Um I also, not for any reason in particular, uh, because I didn't think his performance was bad. I didn't think it was standout, but I didn't think it was bad. We didn't talk about Entrapment. That was a really popular Connery movie. Mm. Um, mm. I think I've got to go with the aforementioned The Avengers. Yes. I think that he delivers such a lazy yeah, it's performance in. to me. Like in, in looking at just the movies that I watched over the past week, there was never an example, even like the worst movies, like A Bridge Too Far, like nothing, none of these movies ever featured a bad performance of his. Like it was, yeah. he was fine. It's It suffered, like the movie would suffer because of the script or it would suffer because of the running time, but it was never his performance. But in The Avengers, it was so bad. Yeah. And I think part of the problem was, he knew it was bad, yes, and I think lost heart while making the movie. You think like, maybe when, it was uh, oh, when they when they tried to teddy bear costume and like, <laughs> you know, like I I feel like he's got to be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you? and <laughs> yes, so he's wearing a teddy bear costume through a good portion of the film. Oh my gosh, it's it's disgusting, and and so I've got to go with the Avengers. Um, Tess, did you ever see the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie? Mm. No. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, you put that in the, you put that in the list. No, I gave you Robin and Marion. Uh, uh, okay, Robin and Marion is a uh, it's a film about like Robin Hood and Maid Marion from the Robin Hood legend, but it's like it takes place like twenty years after the events of Robin Hood, uh, and now like you know Robin is uh, a captain for King Richard the Lionheart, and he and King Richard have a falling out, and so he escapes, and it's kind of like his life with Maid Marion now. Uh, in the twilight years and uh, it, it's not bad but he plays king richard at the very end of robin hood prince of thieves uh, and oh. it's because of it's the whole it's a whole like homage to him being in robin and marion oh. like that's what oh. I mean. yeah. I didn't know that either and funny funny about um about uh rising sun uh just briefly as well did you get rush hour vibes from that movie yes, a little I, bit? <laughs> I, watch, I watch rush hour and i'm like oh this is what rising sun was supposed yeah. to be <laughs> bro, bro, exactly exactly <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'm, so I'm glad funny. i'm not alone okay. <laughs> so, so i notice that like you know we talk all the time about like eventually every actor is going to be part of the mcu connery was never a part of never the made it. I thought about that earlier when you mentioned Robert Redford. But like, oh, they were contemporaries. They, uh, yeah. he, he could have been. Now, in an alternate universe, who would you have cast him in in the MCU, I, Joe? I think I probably... 
I I may have cast him as like the Tommy Lee Jones role from Captain America: The First Avenger. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I, I maybe would have made him that, or made him Doctor Erskine. Like, there's there's nothing that he could play modern. Like, he couldn't be yeah. like, the, the Michael Douglas character from Ant Man. No, I don't think he could play that because you like we've pointed out, like you can't hide his nationality that he's yes. Scottish. Like yeah. there's just no way to hide that. And I think Kevin Feige is a little too smart to fall for that whole, like, well, if I can get Connery, I've got to use Connery. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got to just let him do whatever he wants. I think that you would, you would risk the integrity of what you're putting together with the MCU. So yeah, there's, there's very few roles that I could possibly see him in. He could have been the uh, Redford role from uh, winter soldier. Come to think of it. He- he could have been. He's so likable, though. He's very rarely so ever. Robert played. Redford. He's. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh no! Not that he's not likable, but I think Robert Redford probably can pull off playing an asshole easier. More so than uh, this, More Sean than Connery. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this guy slaps bitches. You don't think he can play a good villain? The reason why it's the reason why it's so shocking, I think, is because people don't expect it because they like yeah. him. Yeah, they like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very likable. Yeah, he is, and that's that's yeah. kind of scary that it's like he was Starving. so charismatic and likable, and it's like, yeah, but you still didn't think there was anything wrong with hitting <laughs> women. Like that's so yeah, weird. Yeah, it is very weird. It's a well, hard thing to reconcile. Well, that's a good way to go out then on this uh, Sean Connery retrospect. <laughs> Talking about a couple of dozen of his films, for better or worse. Um, I mean, oh. the, the guy has had an impact on Hollywood. And uh, look, even Tess, who uh, yep. wasn't born when most of his films were made, uh, <laughs> you have now seen... Uh, yep. uh, Ten. Yeah, double digits of Sean Connery, and he'll forever be uh, ingrained in your filmography. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, rest in yeah. peace, Sean Connery. But before we wrap up, uh, I, I, I did want to take the opportunity to, because we rarely get reviews on iTunes, uh, but we got a review, uh, another oh, five-star no. review. No, no, five-star oh, review uh, on October 27th. And this comes from uh, Ichi29, and he or she, not sure what uh, the pronouns are for this person, but uh, said, I love this show. The hosts are very funny, and every review is extremely entertaining. I especially love the bad movie reviews. We do that a lot. Their yeah. sense of humor and random singing makes the podcast unique. This podcast, <laughs> this podcast gets me through a rough day. Thanks, guys. And I gotta say, oh, that wow. made my day when I read that. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> we that? haven't we haven't broken out into song in a long time. Uh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe, you want to take the opportunity? Would you like to break out into song? <laughs> no. Uh, so thank you, Ichi Twenty Nine, for that nice review. And if you'd like to leave a review. Uh, on iTunes, please do give us hey, a five star review. A review. Uh, leave us a five star <laughs> review, that'd be great. And uh, and just you know, let us know what you think. <laughs> we also have a website, right, Joel? Uh, right, Joe? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not the editing bay. It, it's not editing bay. It's editingbay.com. Uh, you can go there and uh, check out. Uh, we've got some pictures of us, and uh, if you want to find out more, uh, you can email me. Or we can write fan fiction with each other. And- uh, I like to role play as a blonde named Beverly. Uh, <laughs> you want to buy a shirt? I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, all that and uh, check out the uh, list of episodes. We've got links there uh, to all your favorite things, uh, everything and more at editingbay.com. Thank you, Joe. That's right. Uh, you leave a review. And uh, if you don't leave a five-star review, you know who you are? <laughs> what, what are we? You're a, you're a wife beater. You're a Scottish, <laughs> kilt-wearing, backhanding <laughs> wife beater. 
just like a walk. I, I struggle with that every <laughs> week. George just hit it out of the park. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. Oh well, you did my spiel. I did your spiel, Joe. I think we're about even. Uh, anybody else? Anybody else have anything to plug? Check out um, the Geek Roundtable podcast. I'm on there right now. Their latest episode talking about, man, what did we talk about? Jesus, it's been forever. Uh, we talked about movies that we love that everybody else thinks are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next month, we'll have a uh, an episode up talking about Stranger Things. Oh. And then the month after that, the MCU. And then the month after that, talking about superheroes. It's a once a month podcast. Wow. So they really plan ahead. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we can't even get week to week here, can we? Barely get it. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, anybody else have anything? Yeah, well, as long as we're talking other podcasts, uh, listen to our newly rebranded, relaunched sister podcast about yeah. video games. It's called The 16-Bit Gladiators. Uh, you can search for that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, or you can uh, subscribe directly from the website, uh, 16bitgladiators.com, uh, and follow us on Twitter at 16bitgladiators while you're at it for all your video game entertainment. Cool. Uh, all right. So what are we going to do the next time here on the editing bay? Well, you'll be hearing this episode right before Thanksgiving. So, uh, enjoy this pre Thanksgiving, uh, episode as we kick off the holiday season. And, uh, we're quickly approaching the end of this year. Thank God. 2020 has been a cluster. Uh, but we are, we're well into the, the, the holiday season and I am already, as I mentioned earlier, into the Christmas season. I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. Uh, and so we figured, Hey, since, you know, we're, we're doing, we're only doing two episodes a month now of Editing Bay, right? Because we do two of Editing Bay. We do two 16-bit gladiators. So subscribe there if you want to hear a month long of us yabbering away. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, with Christmas coming up, we were talking about, well, well let's, ju- let's do what we're doing now. Let's do what we do with Chadwick Boseman and Sean Connery. Let's just take a theme. And instead of reviewing just one movie, let's talk about a bunch of holiday movies. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. what we're settling on is uh, Santa. Movies with Santa uh, portrayed by different actors and who our yeah. favorite actors are portraying Santa. I've seen like five in the last week. And I definitely have my favorites and least favorites already. Maybe after after experiencing this experiment, <laughs> where Ted and I watched like a dozen each, yeah. maybe we uh, yeah, reel maybe it we, in. Only, we only bring one. We reel it in a little bit. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Let's just talk about you know Three. our best example. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be the one where I'll represent because I'm going to watch like a dozen Santa movies. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to watch a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Be different, Joe. Santa in it. That's all. I'll watch some Kwanzaa movies. There you go. Are are there Kwanzaa movies? Uh, There has to be one. Sure. (laughs) Maybe a movie about a guy who observes Kwanzaa in Japan, and it could be called Kwanzai. (laughs) Wow, that's... That's gold right there. I got to cut that part out just uh, so that we can save it and copyright that. It's such a stellar idea. It writes Kwanzai. itself, man. It just, it just writes itself. The spiritual successor of Oive Komova. Oh, that's right. Yes. What was that about? Oive Komova. That was our Jewish uh, Hispanic mashup holiday film, Jewish right? Guy and a Hispanic girl. Like, yeah, they got, it's, it's a rom com. Oh, wow. Oive Komova. Next time here on the Editing Bay, where we're going to talk about holiday movies, uh, specifically Santa yes. appearance. Uh, Jeff, thank you, sir. Ho, ho, ho. Always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Yes, hey, good job, man. I'm yeah. glad that you watched 
a dozen Sean Connery movies. Yeah, man. Loved it. Loved it. Let's, let's not do this anymore. <laughs> when we started recording, it was yesterday. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. We're now, it's, it's Thursday now. It's a new day. It's a new it, day. <laughs> you need to work on that impression. I, I'm, I'm Sean Connery. I'm like Dave Cagney. I do uh, what I want. Right, Sean guys, Connery. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.